Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Island Spot Sports. And before we get to our guest today, we have a big shout out for Living Sisu. Living Sisu is a platform and app that wants to give you all the tools to have success in your sport. Their main objective is to activate your lifestyle. So for active, it's for active people. Enjoy discounts at, at companies like BioSteel, 30% off, BodyLogics, the Goalie Guild, all his books are discounted. Roan, Lululemon for men, 20% off. Online stretching programs with Eccentrics, one full month free. They got super silent massage guns, 20% off those. And it's a great quality. It's way less expensive than a Theragun. And it's a great, it's great quality. So there's so many more discounts that you guys will need to just become a member to see. So they want to provide you with anything you need for success. So come join the community. I'm a part of it. A bunch of other athletes are a part of it. So it's free to join. It takes 20 seconds to have to get exclusive offers to your sport. And it's definitely worth worth it. So do do us a huge favor and go sign up for Living Sisu's membership. It's free, 20, takes 20 seconds. So go do it and we'll see you there. Living Sisu is a great company. We uh, we know one of the co-founders, Zach Fricali. He's a great guy. He uh, He's the co-founder and he does a lot of live streams on Instagram at, uh, at Living Sisu. And with a bunch of elite athletes and you learn a lot from like the athletes determination the resiliency everything to what me made them become successful so it's been a great experience so far so go on i'm gonna leave uh the link in the description so uh go sign up yo welcome back to another episode of on spot sports i'm jack and today's episode we are joined by a very special guest Current professional hockey player, Fish Bushbacher. Phil is currently playing overseas in France for tours in France too, and has played there for two seasons now. This will be Phil's ninth season of pro hockey. Phil has played in the Southern Professional Hockey League, the East Coast Hockey League, the Old Central Hockey League, and has spent the rest of his career overseas in places like Sweden, France, Romania, among other countries throughout his pro career. He has spent his junior days in the OJHL, and his college hockey days at Lake Forest College for two years and Lawrence University for two years. So it's going to be a fun episode, Phil. So welcome to the show, Phil Bushbacher. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jack. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's going to, going to be a fun episode. But to start things off, like, how are you? Like, like I know uh, you're in France right now. So how, how's everything going in France? Uh, things are good. Um, it's definitely been, uh, been a more positive year this year. Uh, last season we played without fans. Uh, this season we have the fans back, uh, so that's obviously a big thing. And uh, yeah, it's been a really positive experience so far, and uh, definitely much more normal than uh, what we saw last season. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to start things off, before we like get into like this season a little bit here, can you like give our viewers a little background information on yourself, like when you started playing hockey, why you started, what youth hockey was like growing up for you in uh, Chicago? Yeah, uh, so. I started hockey uh, about six years old. I started with the Skokie Flyers. Uh, so played my house and travel hockey there, then uh, played for the Northern Express, uh, Central States. Um, so I'm an 89 birth here. So I always played 87, 88 uh, Central States. And then my last year of midget, I went to the Fury, uh, played one year AAA. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, um, after AAA, I went on to play for Aurora in the Ontario Junior Hockey League. And then uh, two years at Lake Forest, uh, kind of like you at Elmhurst decided I want to stay close to home. And 
after my sophomore year, we had a coaching change. So it would have been my third coach in three years and decided to go to decided to go to Lawrence University in Appleton, Wisconsin to uh, continue my collegiate career. And then uh, uh, decided to give pro a try. I originally wanted to do two years and see kind of what happened from there. And uh, now we're going on year nine. So, uh, you know, interesting, interesting turn of events. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Yeah, absolutely. You go just two years and then you're at, you're at nine right now. Like you must, you must love playing pro hockey and be able to keep up with it throughout, throughout all that time. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously I'm very fortunate to be able to continue to play. Um, but you know, like most guys who, uh, you know, we don't make it to the NHL or, or KHL high levels where you make, uh, make the big money and you kind of have to think about your life after hockey. I was originally thinking about going to, uh, going to law school, but uh, decided to continue with, uh, with the hockey path. And that's kind of led my life in a whole different direction. But like I said, it's, uh, it's been very fruitful and uh, happy I decided to pursue this dream. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said earlier in the episode, this is your second year in tours in the France two division. So mm-hmm. how has this season been going for you personally after six games and for the, for the team as well? Um, so yeah, this is, like you said, this is my second year here. Uh, I also work as the conditioning coach for the team. So it's my second year in that capacity. So I work with uh, the pro guys, I work with the under twenties, the women's team, uh, the under 17s, the under 15. So, uh, it's very busy, uh, but, uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things where I'm at the rink all the time working with almost everybody in the club, uh, and it's a good experience for me moving forward for my, my post-playing career to stay in the game. Uh, to revert back to what you were saying, talking about how things have been going for the team. Um, well, we've beaten the first place team in the league and we've lost to a team that's in eighth or ninth. So uh, unfortunately, we've struggled with, uh, with putting together a full 60 minutes, but we've kind of shown that. Uh, and that's one of the things in this league, anybody can beat anybody. Uh, so you know, if you show up one night and you have a great game, you're playing the top team, you can win. If you have a night off and you're playing a team that's at the bottom of the league, you can lose too. So uh, that's kind of been one of the things in my four years in France where things have things have really changed. It used to be kind of a two-tiered league, but now there's definitely much more parity, which makes for a lot more interesting hockey for the fans and the players. Yeah, absolutely. Like just that you got to play that full 60 minutes and it could go either way during during that stretch like you said like you have been experiencing like having an off day that you lose but you having a, a great day even against the best team in the league like and you win like it just all depends on how how the team how the team's doing how how everyone's feeling yeah absolutely absolutely yeah so how do you how do you balance like everything from like playing and then like the strength and conditioning side and, like what do you do for that strength and conditioning side with like the younger, the younger kids, the younger girls, like even, even the, your teammates as well. Yeah. So that was, um, you know, as you said, it's my second year here. Uh, last year is a bit more difficult because of the COVID season. Um, we had a three and a half month span where we weren't sure we were going to play. So as a player, that's very hard, but as a first year coach, it was really rewarding because we got the opportunity to work with the guys every day and to, uh, to try out different things, whether it's a coaching style or, or different ways of communicating with different players. So for me, uh, you know, um, it's, it's obviously an interesting dynamic playing with guys and then having to coach them on the side. But uh, I'm very fortunate that we have 
we have a good group of older guys here and younger guys who are really receptive. And, um, you know, like anything, when it comes to coaching or being a teammate, anything, it's about, it's about having good relationships with the guys and just being honest with them and being accountable. So um, I think the guys all know that I have their best interest at heart when I talk to them. It's not, uh, not being malicious when I, when I try and help them with something, it's, it's uh, to further their development. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been very positive. And then with the younger players, uh, there is a bit of a language barrier. Um, most people in France don't have uh, have an extensive background in the English language. So uh, and my French is not very good. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic with that. But, uh, but no, I'm fortunate that uh, they're receptive to me as well. And it's been a very positive experience on both sides. Yeah, absolutely. That's at least good, even though the barrier, like just to have like that balance of like that they they're receptive, they're coachable, because that's a that's a big thing as well as be coachable and like have like your best interest in them. And like if you have the best interest in them, they'll be more receptive to you and be be more coachable, which everyone yeah. likes to see. Yeah. And I think one thing when you're working with, uh, you know, even guys who are on your team work 21, 22 or, you know, younger guys that are trying to take their game to the next level. Uh, I think just kind of letting them know that you're a resource, right? And, uh, you know, as an older player on the team, and then obviously as a, a guy who's coaching as well, uh, it's important just to let them know that you support them and uh, try and impart some of the of the lessons that you've learned in your career so that they can get to the levels that they want to get to and reach their goals. So at the end of the day, uh, I think every player kind of comes to a point later in their career where they want to impart uh, – some wisdom or some lessons on some of the younger guys and help them. And I'm certainly at that point and I'm lucky that uh, our younger guys are pretty receptive. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great feeling, but like going into the season a little bit here, like how, how's it being back with playing with fans and like not having, or like having like a regular, a regular seat, a more normal season than you did last year. Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, when you think about European hockey in general, uh, it's a very different experience than, than what we have at home. Uh, obviously the fans and everything at home are great, but it's just, it's different when, you know, we have fans who are banging the drum all game long or singing and stuff like that. So that's kind of part of the experience that makes it fun over here is that it's different. Um, uh, for me personally, last year, last year for me, wasn't as difficult as it was for some of the other guys uh, playing in empty stadiums. Um, you know, not to knock anything, but when you play D3 or you play Tier 2 Junior A in markets like Toronto, like you get used to not having fans uh, at all the games. But yeah. uh, it definitely is a unique scenario when you're when you're doing warm-up for a professional hockey game and there's nobody in the building. Um, there's some emotion that is definitely taken out of it, but I would say that last season it was still pretty intense. Uh a lot of the guys were, were well aware of the fact that we were one of the few leagues that actually got to play. And um, I think guys were, were uh, pretty happy with that. But uh, like you said, it's, it's so much better with fans in the building. And you don't realize when you're on the ice how much that those people really impact the game. Uh, you know, even things like, you know, you have a, a scoring chance. You know, when there's nobody in the building, like there's not that excitement as opposed yeah. to when a guy's on a breakaway, you can hear everybody kind of getting fired up. So um, it definitely adds a, a, a different element to it. And it's uh, it's very positive that we're able to have that again this year. Yeah, absolutely. So going to the fans, like what's it, what's the fan atmosphere like in France and just being overseas and just like 
you have like that soccer style crowd, like a lot of people describe yeah. and just being, you know, everyone's energetic, like you said, banging the drums, like whatever, just yeah. firing, firing everyone up within the arena. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in France, we're France two division one here. Um, we're actually fortunate that we have a rank that seats about 2,500 people uh, and we get to pretty close to capacity. Um, so when you play in something like the East Coast League, and you have those Wednesday night games and you're in a, a building that seats 8,000 and there's 800 people. Uh, it's a very different feel than when you're in a rink like our rink and you have 2,500 people and every seat is full and it's loud and, uh, you know, the people are involved in the game. So for me, it's, it's a very different experience. Uh, there's teams in this league that get three, 400 fans. And, you know, we're lucky that we're at, uh, like I said, 2,500 towards the, the high end of that. Um, but you know, it, it very, various place to place. Uh, but I think one of the things that's good here is that you don't have those, uh, like those vast cavernous buildings where you don't have, where you don't have any people that's dressed like a seat night. Um, so that kind of adds a, kind of adds some excitement when you look into the crowd and it's, it's full and it's lively and, uh, you know, people are kind of involved in what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's fun to play in those in those environments and just like because like like you said, like breakaways, like you get you see everyone, you hear everyone getting fired up, and then like the breakaways with like the ooh and the ah when if you miss it, miss a breakaway and stuff like that. But like it definitely does have an effect on the game, even though even though when you get on the ice, like sometimes you don't hear it, but like when there's no no one there, like you definitely do notice that that there's no fans in the building. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like you said, where uh, hockey's an emotional sport, right? And and I think uh, last season, especially, you really saw how how the spectators play into it. It's a totally different experience, even if it's something like you know you're struggling late in the game and you're kind of finding that motivation. Like there's there's certain times where having a lively crowd and and just feeling that energy in the building helps you and you don't recognize it until it's gone. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of an eye-opening experience last year. Yeah, absolutely. So before going into last year, like, like you had, we had the longest off season probably, probably ever in hockey, but like, what, what helped you stay motivated during that time, especially when you didn't see ice for a few months or you, you didn't play a game for like nine, 10 months, whatever it was. Yeah. So fortunately for us here, um, well, our season, our season ended kind of like everybody all over the world in that late March, early April uh, window with COVID. So obviously it was crazy coming home and kind of having that, that abrupt end to your year. And uh, uh, kind of what we were told over here is that they were going to start the season on time. Uh, we normally start in early August. Um, we were fortunate that we only got pushed back a month. So when I originally got here last year, uh, we had fans in September for preseason games. It was half capacity, all those things. Um, then the situation got worse again over here in France. So we actually played three regular season games if it was normal. Um, and then from there, they, they went back on the full lockdown for three months and we weren't sure if we were going to play. We were told that if we weren't going to have fans, that the teams couldn't sustain what was going on. And obviously a lot of uncertainty in that regard. Um, we were lucky that uh, the French government and the French Ice Hockey Federation were able to do a 
reach an agreement where both us and the top league, which is the league Magnus, were able to play without fans. Um, and, uh, you know, we had, we had all of our games where we're able to be shown on YouTube and stuff like that to, to provide some visibility for our sponsors so that they could kind of keep that aspect going to help sustain our club. And uh, there were some other uh, things provided by the French government and the Federation to uh, ensure that the clubs didn't take on well, of course, there was some some economic impacts when you don't have people in the building, but uh, kind of to lessen the damage so that we could at least have some element of a season. Um, so, like I said, it was uh, it was crazy. It was kind of surreal, not knowing what's going to go on day to day. And when you're in these long periods where uh, we were playing exhibition games where there's no fans, and we're hoping there's going to be a season and you know, then you're hearing there's not going to be a season, then we might play in a month. And, you know, it's, it was definitely uh, a situation I hope we never see again, but uh, it could have been a lot worse for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But at least, at least everyone was trying to do everything they can to get that season in and just be able to find ways to not have all the teams fold, like yeah. could have happened because the economic point of view of it. Yeah. But just to like get everyone to at least play or play a shorter season. Yeah, and I, I mean, if you follow minor league hockey last year, I mean, it's even seen at the American Hockey League level where teams didn't play. And uh, the East Coast League, I think, you know, there was there was a number of teams, maybe eight or nine teams that didn't play and in the Southern Professional League as well. So the fact that every team in our league was, was able to play and it was a shortened year, but uh, like I said, the fact that you're able to get games and to have at least a season on paper and something to look forward to and some element of, okay, things are hard, but we get to go to the rink, we get to practice, we get to play, and you at least have something to look forward to as opposed to that, you know, that situation that most of the world was in where, you know, you're, you're locked up at home and, you know, you're working from your computer. At least we got to do what we love. So, like I said, could have been a lot worse. Yeah, absolutely. So throughout like all this that happens, like what's the biggest thing you took away from everything that's happened? Just be able to so not take hockey for granted like a lot of people were before, but like just not be able to take it for granted, like just be in the moment. Yeah, I think that's something that, uh, you know, not only when you're when you're in a situation like all of us were in with with the, the pandemic, but as you get older in your career, you start to realize like, you don't necessarily know how many days you have left. Right. So for me, I'm, I'm 32. Uh, you know, the reality is I I'm on the, the back half of my career, if not the last few years. So um, when you're younger, you kind of think you'll play forever. <laughs> and uh, You assume that like there will always be this and there will always be another season and this and that. And as you get older, you kind of, you understand that the things are starting to, you know, your opportunities are dwindling, whether that's to, to win a championship or to do whatever. And, and you start to cherish those moments even more, even the day-to-day -day of being around the rink, being around the guys, you know, just preparing for games, bus trips, like things that you don't think you would ever really like appreciate, like 15 hour road trips and stuff like that. You start to realize, you know, these are, these are really good moments. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it's good to add some perspective. And uh, you know, I think that's kind of a, kind of a combination of aging and the global situation, but uh, no, that was something last year that, that definitely struck me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love how you learned that. And like, just because like 
you got to be in the moment because you never, like you said, like you're on the back end of your career. Like you never know how many more championships you could win, how many more days you got left before your career is over. Just got to cherish all those memories. Like even like the stories, like the, in the locker room, the the talks in the locker room, the bus rides, like you're going to cherish those memories forever. Yeah. And even the days when it's hard where, you know, you, you come to the rink and you're a little bit sore, or, you know, you're banged up from the game before or whatever, like, you start to realize that one day you're going to miss those things. And <laughs> I don't want to say you start to like it. Cause I don't think you'd be normal if you start to like yeah. that stuff, but, but you kind of, uh, you know, you, you start to get a kind of a feeling that you're going to miss it one day and that you're just happy where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. So then you go into training th- this summer. So like how exciting were you for this season coming up, especially since it seemed to be like a more, a more normal season, just like everything that you're able to do from your your coaching and strength and conditioning perspective, and then your train your summer training for this season as well. Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest things is last year when I first took this job, and and just thinking about training, like nobody had access to a gym, right? Yeah. So you, you get you're a new strength conditioning coach, and you're told to make a plan for guys and none of them have access to a gym, right? So you can't really implement what you want to do. So this summer was kind of the first summer where I felt like I had ownership of what I was doing. um, And I was able to put more of uh, what I wanted to do in place and have a a full summer to make sure that, you know, we're able to train the right way uh, and just, you know, prepare, prepare to play hockey. So like, the reality of it is last year, we weren't sure if we were even going to go off, we were going to play. So in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, well, if we don't play or if we have to do this for another month or, you know, if we don't play till January, what I want to do, at least with this, there was, there was a timeline and it was, you know, it, it went off the way we thought it was going to go off with, with relative, uh, relatively few uh, adjustments to the, to the schedule. So, um, you know, from, from my aspect, it was great. And, uh, was able to train with a lot of the guys back home. Um, I think you've had Evan Mosey on your show. He's a good yeah, friend of yeah. mine. Uh, but Evan and I, we trained together during the summer, both on the ice and in the gym. And, you know, it was good to have him around uh, and get to hang out with your buddies and go and work out and skate and coach and do all those things. So it, it kind of like reinvigorates you to, to do your day-to-day. So, uh, yeah, this summer was awesome. It, you know, it was uh, definitely refreshing after the one we had prior. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just less the summer training is like always fun because you're with the boys that you're you, that you've been training with for how many how many years and just being home. The the charity tournaments because I I play with you in a charity tournament this tournament charity tournament this year. Just all the charity tournaments and uh, just summer skates with the boys like that's that's what makes it fun and worth worth every every time you skid on the ice like just make those memories. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's that's one thing I don't think. We, we never realized how much we miss just those little things day to day of, uh, you know, the hockey and any sport really is just that camaraderie of even during the summer, like you're on the ice, you're competing with the guys, you're trying to get better. There's something pure about it. Right. And yeah. uh, regardless of what sport you play, you're drawn to that. There's, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like too romantic about it, but, but it's, it's awesome. It's, it's one of the best things about being an athlete is you get to come and be around people who are like you and want to get better and want to improve and, and share your passion for the sport. So when you don't have that, uh, it definitely it feels like part of you is missing. So this summer, I think everybody was happy just to 
to get back and you know do the things they used to do and they appreciate it a lot more yeah for sure so then going into your prior seasons a little bit here you played in germany for quite a bit for the last four years and you also took trips in sweden and romania so like what were those trips to sweden and romania like and just being able to travel the world and travel to different countries a little bit yeah um so for me uh i i wound up going to hungary after my second year in the east coast league uh, i played in the earth league uh which is hungary romania so i spent a year in hungary and then uh my grandparents are Romanian and I had the opportunity to get the passport there. So found my way to Romania for uh, parts of two seasons. And that was a really interesting experience. Um, you play in two leagues there. So you play 86 games. Uh, there's some months where you play 18, 19 games in 30 days. Wow. And, you know, it's one of those things where I was 25 when I played there. So, you know, it was awesome. You just, you, it was like baseball. You wake up, you morning skate, you play, you morning skate, you play, morning skate, play. Like it was fun. It was a good experience. Um, very different lifestyle for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm one of those people I've, I've always said, like, you know, you have to appreciate where you are and, and there's good and bad everywhere. And, uh, you know, for me, it was kind of cool to see, see Eastern Europe and, and kind of, uh, experience some of those places and some of them are beautiful like Budapest is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been and you know my time in Romania we were able to, to win the Romanian cup which is a great experience and met a lot of great friends so that was really cool and then um, I spent half the year in Sweden uh, I think it was probably four four or five years ago now um, but I went to a team in uh, division two which is the fourth league and uh, I was playing the East Coast League at the time, and I knew the coach, uh, the coach there from uh, from years prior. And uh, he messaged me and said that you know their team wanted to move up, and uh, kind of this was a situation. And I wasn't, for oh, unfortunately, wasn't playing that much in Fort Wayne at the time, and needed a change of scenery. So I uh, figured, you know, if, if I could go for three and a half months and live in the Arctic Circle, and you know, have a cool experience there you know, why not? And, uh, I mean, it was, it was interesting to, to be in a place where you don't see the sun for three weeks and it's minus 40 Fahrenheit and there's dog sleds everywhere. And, uh, but you know, the people were great and, uh, met a lot of really good people there and we won a championships, which is something that, uh, you always remember. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, you know, looking back on it, probably one of the most positive experiences in my hockey career. And, you know, I always wanted to, to, try and use hockey to enrich my life, whether it was getting me into a school that I probably wouldn't have gotten into if I didn't play or to see the world. So, uh, yeah, as you've mentioned, I've, I've been in a bunch of different places and been able to see a lot of the world just because I'm, you know, because of the game. So, uh, yeah, it's been, been very positive. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, what was that championship like and just have being on a team where, you're good. You know, you're good enough to go all the way to the championship. Then you guys end up going all the way and just like that team camaraderie, like we said earlier, and just like bringing it all together and winning that championship. Yeah, I, well, that was kind of a unique situation. So in Sweden, they do the promotion relegation system. So yeah. um, I think the first half of the year, they played 14 games. They won all 14. They, they were winning games 14, 15, nothing. And 
you know, the coach messaged me and I'm like, well, it doesn't sound like you need another guy. Like it seems like you got this pretty, pretty taken care of, but, uh, but uh, they also split the league. So the second half of the year, if you're in the top half, you join the top half of another region. And then teams come down from division one and also play who are trying to stay in the league and you're trying to go up. So um, that team, we didn't lose a game all year. I think the closest game we had was was six to two, and it was hilarious because I think one period we were we were tied after first or second period we're tied with somebody two to two, and it was like it was like the most stressful situation in the world. And you're like, guys, we we haven't lost a game all season. Like this is yeah. this is normal hockey. Like it, it happens in the sport where you're not killing teams, but yeah. uh, but we you know we were a very good team and. We had guys who played in the SHL and all Svenskin and uh, quite frankly, we're, we're far too good for the level, but uh, it doesn't diminish the fact that, uh, that, you know, it's a special thing to win a championship. You gotta, you gotta have things go right and uh, need to be, have, be lucky and have guys healthy and, you know, have guys score goals at the right times and goalies make saves. So uh, yeah, it was a great experience. And whenever I think about it, it's definitely a, a fond memory. Yeah, for sure. And it's just all, all about moving up there, it seems like, and just going every going everywhere, relegated, promoted, like all, yeah. all over. And then you're just – that's what makes it fun too, or fun and interesting because you go up divisions, you go down, and it's just like that yeah. you get that competition, like for variety, I guess you could say, and just that it – some some teams will be really good and like give you a competition, then like some others you're just blown out yeah. 15 rip, like you said. Yeah, and I think that's something um... – you know, we talked about European hockey a little bit, but, you know, one of the things in France too, where, you know, we've, we have a thing called the French cup where you could play teams from division three, which is the fourth level of pro here. And then the next game, you could see a team from the Magnus league, like Rowan who plays in the champions league. So, um, you know, it's, it definitely, there's some games where, yeah, you know, that if you, especially in that competition where if you show up and you just play, you're probably going to win. But uh, then the next round, you might see one of the best teams in Europe. So it's always cool to see that. And, uh, you know, I, I think when you're a player, it, it keeps it interesting and you get to really have an appreciation for how good the various leagues are. Um, so like my first year here, we played Rwanda when they went to the final 16 in the champions league, like they're beating teams from the DEL and, uh, you know, Slovak actually check actually some of the top leagues and we're playing against them. It's, you know, it's just one of those things where it's unique and it's not something that we get in the U S because we have a closed structure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a cool experience and you get to see, uh, see some of the national team players and all that type of stuff. And, you know, it's, it's just unique and, you know, not something that you would see at home at all. Yeah. That's awesome though. Cause you get to see a little bit of everything and, who who doesn't love seeing every little, little bit of everything and just having to having to ride the ropes from there? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So then, before you went to over to Sweden, like you said earlier, you played in Fort Wayne for a little bit, and you also played in Pensacola in the SP with with the Ice Flyers. So like, what was it like going from going into Pensacola and playing in the in the Florida Heat and just being able to enjoy enjoy the the winter uh, the winter in Florida? Yeah, I, I mean, I've played in a lot of places, but it, 
Pensacola is one of those where, where it was like every day you roll out of bed and I lived on the seventh floor of an apartment building overlooking the golf. Oh. Um, so I'd get up in the morning and I'd walk out my door and I'd sit on the porch and have coffee and I'd look at the ocean. And I'm just like, this is crazy. One of the most beautiful places in the world. The people are so friendly. Um, you know, I, I like to cook. So like after practice, I would go to the fish market and get, get fresh seafood that was in the water that day and just a crazy experience. And, you know, I started the year that year in rapid city for a train camp in South Dakota. So I, uh, got to see a, a completely different, but also equally beautiful landscape with Mount Rushmore and all that stuff there. And then you go to Pensy and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's summer every day, man. It's like paradise, like 72 degrees shorts, walking into the rink. It's, it's unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, then went to Fort Wayne and uh, it was my second stint in Fort Wayne. I played there a bit my second year too. Uh, so I knew the coach. I knew a bunch of the guys. Uh, a good friend of mine, Garrett Bardis, was there, the goalie. Uh, so it was good to see him. And, you know, Fort Wayne's one of those places where like, there's just so much history. Um, you know, obviously a very different location than Pensacola. But when you think about you know, famous minor league hockey franchises. The Fort Wayne Comets are, are definitely one of them. And, um, you know, you think about like Doc Emmerich got his start there and Bob Chase, who uh, rest his soul, but, uh, you know, was, was calling games for, for five, six decades there. Like there's, it's just, you know, one of the unique places to play in, in the coast and in minor pro and, uh, you know, a place where you get 13,000 fans a game in the East Coast League, it's insane. Um, and just people are really passionate about their team. So, um, I think that's part of this whole experience is, is going to different places, whether, uh, you know, I played in Cincinnati and we had a great team there and, uh, you know, Evansville, we had, uh, we had kind of a unique situation, but there's always something positive that you could take. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, when you're in the U S it's kind of, uh, you know, you, you know, uh, you kind of know what to expect, but at the same time, every place has its own thing. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you just got to look at it from the point of trying to enjoy it and just enjoy the moment. Like we said. Yeah. It's all, yeah. it's all about the experience too. Like the, the crazy experiences, like, like we said, like it'll make memories for, for a lifetime and you'll be able to share that and have stories like that for forever. And like, it's just all about those experiences and just playing the game you love as well. Yeah, and it's it's crazy too because you know, um obviously like we're fortunate in Chicago, we have a lot of really good players. And you know, I think about you know, even at the level, you know, in the East Coast League or American League level or over here in Europe, but like there were guys that I played with in Fort Wayne that I knew when we were kids. You know, we like Bartis, I think played uh, played for the force and we used to sh- I used to shoot him in the summer and Eric Levine, another guy that I played with uh in my time and it's, these are guys that you know. Joe Widmar was there too. He's my roommate. One of my times in Fort Wayne. So it's just like it's kind of surreal. Like you're you're at this high level, but it's guys that you've known pretty much your whole life, and you know it's uh, it's very unique. And the hockey community, you know, is very tight knit, and you see that as you know you're never you're never too far removed from somebody you know. Even here in France, one of my best friends is a coach in uh, the Magnus League, and you know, they're 60 minutes away and we just lost them in the French cup a few weeks ago. So it's kind of crazy that like you go all over the world and you're playing guys from Niles or you're playing guys from Highland Park. It's kind of, 
kind of funny when you think about it. Yeah, it's like you you've literally trained with these guys for for your entire life for how many how many years you've you've known them for and then they're playing somewhere you play against them they're your roommates they're your teammates like it's yeah. just all that hockey world is super small like it seems so big but it's super small and like every, everyone loves being around each other and it's just it's a it's a blast to be be a part of yeah absolutely so then a few years later before that you in your in your sec first and second year of pro you go from or let's start with your second year pro you go from Cincinnati Cyclones in the ECHL to Fort Wayne, where you get your first opportunity with Fort Wayne. Then you go to Louisiana for the ice skaters and the SB. And then you go to Evansville Iceman in the coast. Like, what were those, what was that year like? And just being able to travel around the United States a little bit and while also just enjoying the experiences while also getting that reality check that you could move whenever in pro hockey. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Cincinnati was was one of those situations where I finished the year uh, prior there, and um, we had a phenomenal team. They went to the Kelly Cup final, and you know, you want to talk about we had guys like Scott Darling and Byron Fraze, and uh, Wade Megan was there after my time, and just guys. We had probably six or seven guys from that roster of NHL experience. So um, I was I was definitely in the in the deep end of the pool there, um, but it was good for me as a young guy because. Uh, you know, I had to play a role and work hard and it was, it was a good, good experience and knowing like, Hey, this is pro hockey and, you know, nothing's guaranteed and you have to compete every day. Uh, unfortunately, the second year in Cincy, which is my second year pro, uh, I started the year with an injury. And, uh, when you start the year with, with that, it's always hard to kind of dig your way out of it because, you know, the team, the team gets, you know, kind of gets solidified guys, you know, earn power play and penalty kill time. And, you know, you're coming off of not playing for a month and now you're trying to break into the lineup. And, um, you know, that was, that was rough, but, uh, yeah, after that went to Fort Wayne and, um, you know, another, like I said, great franchise, Gary Graham was the coach at the time and gave me an opportunity there. And, uh, I think, uh, just never really kind of, never really found my way there and they had a very strong team that year uh, i think that season they went to the kelly cup too uh so i, I kind of had some bad luck where i went from strong team to strong team <laughs> yeah. but then uh yeah so from there i went to louisiana where i started uh after college and uh, louisiana is a phenomenal place uh it's really unfortunate they don't have their team anymore there but uh uh, the GM at the time, Louis Dumont, is a, a friend of a friend. So went there and I played for Drew Amicioli, who uh, was in that Netflix documentary uh, about the Danbury Trashers, one of those, one of the two brothers. So he was awesome. Uh, he was, uh, he really liked me and gave me every opportunity and uh, enjoyed my time there. And, uh, you know, again, another really cool part of the world that I never would have gone to uh, had it not been for hockey and, you know, just really interesting culture down in Louisiana and just life on uh, life in Cajun country is a little bit different, but it was cool. And it was a great experience. And uh, yeah, from there went to Evansville. Um, so I originally was only supposed to be in Evansville for three games. They called me from Louisiana. We were on the road. So I had a bag with two pairs of sweatpants and a tracksuit jacket like three pairs of underwear. Uh, and they called me up when we were in Knoxville after a game. 
uh, I was supposed to go for three games. So they played, we played, uh, I want to say Saturday against Greenville, Sunday in Charlestown, and then uh, Wednesday in Cincy. And I was going to fly out after and scored my first game, second game. Uh, I think we only had like eight or nine guys, so got to play a ton. And on the bus ride back to Evansville, I showed the coach there was some problem with my flight, and he just like, ah, well, whatever. You just stay with us for a bit longer. That I was like, okay, and wound up staying three and a half months there, finishing the season with, you know, just just the worst wardrobe choices ever. Like I said, I was on the road. I was totally unprepared. Lot, lot of laundry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Uh, you know, that was an interesting experience. And I think we set the East Coast League record for most uh, most regulation losses that year. So it was, uh, it was a humbling experience playing teams like South Carolina, who I think set an East Coast League record that year with 23 straight wins. And wow. Yeah, so that was, that was tough. But, um, you know, when there was a lot of change going on in Evansville at the time, they were changing ownership. They had two coaches or three coaches that year. And kind of a carousel but uh you know the fans there were really nice and there's a lot of people I still talk to today that I met during that time so again silver lining and it was a it was kind of the the kick I needed to give me a <laughs> give me the, the desire to try to play in Europe and say okay if I'm going to do this <laughs> I think it's time to try a different route but yeah the second year uh it almost broke me a few times but uh yeah I Glad I didn't give it up and trade it in for a desk. <laughs> yeah, you you stuck with it. But Louisiana, like, you don't see that as, like, a hockey town or a hockey state. But it seems like it was a really good area to play and just be able to just with, like, the Cajun country, like, all that. Like, just, like, the different atmosphere that it would be, like, if you're in, like, the Midwest or the East Coast. But, like, being, yeah. like, in Louisiana, like, that that also, like, gains, like, another experience, like, nothing better yeah. than that yeah and it's crazy in louisiana they used to play at the cajun dome which is where louisiana lafayette uh yeah. has all their basketball and stuff like that so you actually live across the street from the football stadium and then behind the stadium is the is the the rink and um i i mean just a really cool experience like again talking about in, in the heat like it's 85 degrees and you're sweating in, in January. It's insane. Yeah. But uh, the people were really nice there and probably some of the best food I've ever come across in my career. Like, but just, you know, it was, it was really cool. And there's a lot of history there too, from when they were in the East coast league and they used to have all those battles with Peoria in the mid nineties. And, you know, it's, it's a very, uh, a lot of, a lot of traditions there too. So it was kind of cool to be there. And, uh, we always had good teams and, and I think there's a lot of guys who stayed down there uh, and after their career made it home. There was one guy I played with Sean McNeil who played in the Dell, played in the American league and uh, they were helping him get his degree. He was studying offshore engineering. So he was working on the rigs and the golf and, you know, you just come across some guys and you're just like, like this guy's a phenomenal player. What's he doing here? And, yeah. you know, this is a guy like, could, could land a saucer pass in your stick from anywhere and you know he gave me a few few tap-ins so <laughs> no, definitely no, definitely no, nothing better than a few tap-ins nothing, nothing wrong with that happens nothing yeah. wrong with that he'd sit he'd sit and do the crossword puzzle before games and uh <laughs> yeah give me backdoor tap-ins during the game so yeah 
he was a cool guy. He checks out with yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And then going into your first year, you played in the in the old Central Hockey League with the St. Charles Chill. Went to Peoria for four games in the in the SP with the Rivermen. Then you played thirty games with Cincy in the Coast. So, what was that first year of hockey like? Especially like getting that opportunity later in the year to fully get in the lineup of Cincy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like you said, the Central Hockey League at the time. Uh, I know it's all merged now, the CHL on the Coast, but. Uh, the CHL was a good opportunity because there wasn't as many as many affiliations in the league. And uh, in St. Charles, I went to a, a team that was was a first year team, and um, they they needed younger players to kind of build the base. And when I was there, it was it was a great great opportunity for me just to get into hockey at the pro level. And um, I remember. As a 23-year-old kid, like, I'm, I'm sitting there and, like I said, I'm playing with 38, 39-year-old guys that have AHL and NHL games. Yeah. I'm coming out of Division Three the year before, and you're just like, what is going on? It was it was crazy. But uh, uh, we unfortunately didn't get a lot of wins that year uh, in St. Charles, but, but it was a good opportunity for me to learn and be around guys who are true professionals and uh, guys like Chad Costello, you know, played the Dell and, you know, was one of the top scorers in the coast every year. And Marty Holenko played in the Czech Extra League and DL and all these crazy leagues that, you know, you can only wish wish to play in one day. So yeah. it's really good to be around guys like that. Um, and then decided around New Year to, uh, you know, it was kind of weird. I was I was in and out of the lineup a bit there in the Central League um, and we weren't winning. So I made the decision to try and go to Peoria with Jean-Guy Trudel as the coach there. And, uh, playing the SP and get more ice time and, you know, try and use that to jump back up into a more solidified role at the CHL or East coast level. And, uh, went to Peoria for a weekend and, uh, played a couple games and he was great with me and he wound up getting a call from Cincy and pushed me there. And, um, yeah, played for Ben Simon in Cincinnati, who, you know, NHL player, was with Rockford for a long time as assistant. I think he's uh, now the head coach in Grand Rapids now. So a great coach. And uh, that was probably the most fun group of guys I've ever been around. Uh, still guys that I talk to, you know, every couple months. And uh, yeah, that, that team was, was a very talented group with guys like Scott Darling, Rob Medore, who, uh, you know, was a great USHL and college goalie and then played in the American League. And we just, we had a really strong team and was fortunate enough to find a role there and, and uh, grow my game even more. And I think a lot of the things that I learned that year, whether it's just, you know, being a pro coming and working every day, staying on the ice after doing the little things, taking care of your body. Those are all things that you learn there uh, when you're playing your first full pro season and you go from playing 30 games in college to 76 or 72 in the coast it's uh it's a learning experience and uh, I was fortunate that I had you know good older guys in the teams that I was with early in my career who kind of showed me what to do and um yeah I was kind of lucky to uh you know to to get some breaks as well and obviously your first couple years are hard but uh, fortunate that I found opportunities and found coaches that saw value in me and 
were uh, were willing to develop my game. So very fortunate for those. Yeah, absolutely. So like when you're moving around like that often, like how, what's your mindset like and trying to stay positive or just do you, or do you just look at it like it's another refresh opportunity, another opportunity for me to get some games, get some experience under my belt and try to develop even better, even more as a player. Yeah, I think part of it, you know, I was young, so 22 at the time. And, you know, you can always it's all about perspective, right? So you start in the yeah. CHL and, you know, the team liked me, but they were in a situation where their first year team, we weren't winning. And when you're not winning, it's kind of hard to justify giving a young guy a lot of ice time. So they wanted to go with more experienced guys, which is fine. And, you know, I understood that. And, um, you know, so I always looked at it as, you know, if I went to, like when I went to Peoria, Hey, it's a chance to play more and, and grow. And, you know, one of the things in pro hockey and I think in life that you realize is, you know, your mind is, is, your worst enemy and your best friend, right? So if you sit there and, and things are happening to you and you choose to look at it from a negative perspective of, oh, woe is me, why is this happening? Uh, you know, I'm better than this guy and I deserve this and I deserve that. It, it, it just brings negativity to you that you, you don't need. Um, so, you know, being positive and saying, okay, maybe it's not working out here, but the work I'm investing here is gonna help me down the road. Whether it's here, whether it's with my next team, uh, you know, there's a game where you're not playing a lot, but you go out and you work hard and you have good shifts and you show that you can be an asset to another team. You never know who's looking. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was something that kind of kept me going through that year of, you know, it was hard, but I always, I always knew that if you continue to work, good things will eventually happen. You just don't, you just don't know when and where. Um, so was fortunate in my first year to get to the coast, which for a lot of guys from D3 is, you know, it, it's, it's ambitious. Right. And that yeah. was, that was one of the things at the end of the year where, you know, you kind of review everything and you reflect and you're like, okay, last year at this time I was playing division three hockey. And, you know, now I'm competing with guys with NHL contracts to get in the lineup. Uh, and you just got to ground yourself and, and say, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what's given me success. This is what I can change and just keep moving forward. And I think that was one of the biggest things that I learned in my first year is, you know, you can't, you can't ride the roller coaster of emotion every day. You just got to show up and control what you can. Uh, and I think that resonates with, with any athlete and pretty much in any profession. If, if you go with a positive mindset and you're willing to work and uh, you just do what you can and control what you can have a good attitude and, and put forth an honest effort, things generally work out for you. Yeah, I love that because like you just use that self-reflection, like reflect like how how you got to where you are, like the the highest level and like just continue to like continue that success rate and stay positive, not get down on yourself when you do get sent down or get like traded, like just use that as another opportunity for yourself to get better and get more time. And like yeah. you said, and just being able to, to just keep developing as a player and get to that next level that you want. Yeah, and I think in, in one of the things a lot of people overlook in, in North American pro hockey is the fact that you're dealing with affiliations, right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, you're, you're a goalie, so obviously you know this, but, you know, if you're a non-contracted goalie playing the East Coast League or the SP or whatever, like, it's very hard, and you could play great. Yeah. And the fact is, like, every organization can only have five five or yeah. six and that's NHL, AHL, East coast league. So you could be playing absolutely lights out hockey, but 
But if you're on a double affiliate in the coast, there might yeah, not you, be room you just, for you. You get released. It's day to day at that point, pretty much, because yeah. you never because a guy can get sent down and that then you're not contracted, so you get you yeah. get the boot after that. Yeah, and it's it's you know, it, and I kind of learned a lot from watching some of the non-contracted goalies that I played with. So I was like, like these guys literally have the axe hanging over their head at all times. Like they could be playing absolutely lights out hockey. They could be, you know, one of the best goalies in the league. And you know, a guy in the American League gets sent down, and unfortunately, they they lose their job. And you know, it's one of those things like you don't know when your next opportunity is going to come yeah. and it might not have necessarily been warranted, but now you got to pre- prepare for what's next. Right. And just having that mindset of like, Hey, I can't control this. I can't control transactions. I can't control contracts. I can't control injuries. What I can control is just come to the rink every day, being the type of guy that you want to be around and just working and just getting better and being an asset to a team. And that's something that, you know, when you're a young kid, I mean, 22 is, to me, 22, 23, still a young kid. Like, it's very hard to learn, right? Because yeah. you want, everybody wants success. And when things don't happen right away, you get frustrated. It's human nature. But you got to yeah. take a step back and, and say, okay, if I'm persistent, I do things the right way, eventually things will start to go in my favor. Yeah, absolutely. You just never know when you could get released or trade. So you just got to make the most out of, every opportunity you get and just try to get better every day. Absolutely. Yeah. So before we go into your junior and college career a little bit here, uh, do you have uh, like a welcome to the pro moment? Like when you were like, what is going on? Just like when you first started playing pro. Um, let me see. I think my first bus trip when I left Lawrence, uh, my senior year, spring break, Went down to Louisiana and we were playing Huntsville at the time in the playoffs. And uh, that was the lockout year. So I was just happy to be able to get something yeah. at the end of the year. So um, remember, I was an amateur guy and the way it worked in the SP at the time was you needed two injuries before your amateur could play. So I was traveling with the team, practicing with the team. Like, I'm like this is great. This is awesome. So we get on the bus. Uh, we lost game one at home to Huntsville. We're going to Huntsville and we leave at midnight. And uh, I remember we stopped at like a gas station. It was like two or three in the morning. And I, I woke up for a second. I opened my eyes and I figured, oh, the bus, he's just got to get a coffee or whatever. Yeah. I woke up and probably eight or eight or nine in the morning and we're still at this gas station. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, like this is insane. We're supposed to be there by now. We're on the ice at 10. And uh, I remember rolling, like I was in the seats and like crumpled up and, you know, I had my pillow over my face, whatever. And I, I walk out and the, and the bus, he's smoking cigarettes outside <laughs> with his buddy and uh, the GM, I'm like, what's going on here? And he's like, ah, well, welcome to the Southern League, kid. Bus broke down. We're going to be here for a while. So uh, we wound up spending like 12 hours at a truck stop outside New Orleans. Uh, and it was you know, April or May. So it's hot and sweaty and you don't want to be on the bus. And I just remember sitting there and, you know, talking to the guys and just like, wow, this, this is crazy. Like (laughs) this this definitely isn't, uh, definitely wasn't what I thought I was getting into, but, um, yeah. Then two days later, we, we, uh, we wound up losing or winning in double overtime in Huntsville. Two guys got injured. 
we had to play the next day, game three. That's the three series. And the coach came up and he's like, yeah, well, these guys can't play. You're playing. And I'm like, so I went from being in school three days later to now I'm getting thrown in in a playoff series, deciding yeah. game. And I'm just like, what is going on here? Like, this is insane. And we wound up losing the game. And the next day I was back at school and it was just like, it was like one of those moments where my buddies were asking me when I got back to Lawrence, like, how was it? And I was like, I really don't know. <laughs> I need some time to process this whole yeah, thing. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, and there's been a ton of, you know, just crazy stories along the way, whether it's, you know, my first year in Romania, I had visa issues. So I got deported when I was at the border, and, oh. you know, just stuff, stuff like that, where you're just like, you know, maybe this could be, could be a story for a book one day, but yeah, some, some, uh, some moments that definitely make you contemplate if, uh, you should have studied a little bit harder <laughs> or gone into the corporate world. <laughs> yeah, but those, those make for some some good stories and you could write a book after your career is over about all the stories and the experiences you've had and just like that welcome to the pro moment. Like that's that's what it's all about. It's just like those those little stories that make make the make the most out of everything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things that like I said, when you play in, in the minors or you play in Europe and you're not in the top leagues or, you know, the KHL, Dell, SHL, all those leagues. Like we all love hockey, obviously, uh, you know, you're dealing in a different world than the NHL. Right. Like, so that's part of it. Part of the fun is like these crazy stories that, you know, 10, 15 years from now, like, even now I talk to buddies that I play with my first two years and you're just like, man, this was crazy. Like, I, I can't believe it can't believe that that happened. Like we're insane, you know, that type of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get into your junior career a little bit here before uh, we were, before we wrap things up here. So uh, you, you played AAA hockey and then you went on to juniors where you played in the Ontario junior hockey league, which is junior a for the Aurora Tigers. So like, what was the process like for you to find a place to play within the Tigers organization and get that shot in the OJ? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think one of the most stressful things for, for any hockey player is making the transition from, from uh, midget to junior. Um, I mean, there's, it was different back then. Uh, the USHL was only eight teams and the NA was 16. So, you know, uh, we didn't have a lot of things like tier three, so it was junior B. Um, so like, there was the Central States Hockey League, there was the WSHL, but there were only 10 team leagues, right? So yeah. I think at the time there was only... 70, like 85 or 90 junior teams in the U.S. at all levels. Yeah. Uh, so definitely a stressful thing. And you're starting to say like, oh, well, should I apply to colleges or should I try this junior thing? And, you know, uh, the year went on and, and uh, you know, just from your normal stuff, showcases and whatever, um, you know, you, you field some phone calls. And uh, I had a friend, I was working at a goalie school, uh, so I would go shoot multiple nights a week at this goalie school and uh, came across a parent who, who knew Jerome DuPont, who was the coach I had in Aurora. I used to play for the Blackhawks and um, was the coach in Aurora at the time. And uh, they were one of the most successful teams in Canada. They won uh, two RBCs, which is the Canadian Junior National Championship. And uh, he made a call to Jerome and uh, it was March. So our AAA season just ended and they were, finishing up their regular season, going to their playoffs. And 
just asked me to come up and practice with the team for a few days. And uh, after the first practice, he told me that he, he wanted to get me signed for next year. And uh, yeah, I was, was pretty lucky to find, find an organization like that. It was pretty pain-free because um, at the time we were looking, okay, if I get drafted in the NA, where would I go? And if I don't get drafted in the NA, like, do we try and go to the EJ or, you know, do we consider school or what do you want to do? And um, yeah, I mean, was was very fortuitous at the time to find a great organization like that. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, Jerome, well, not unfortunately, but fortunately for him, he, he made a jump to the Quebec League early in the season. And that kind of changed my role on the team uh, right away. But, uh, you know, it was good for his career and things wound up going okay for me. And I was able to, to get my scholarship out of, uh, out of Aurora to go play Lake Forest. So, yeah, it, uh, you know, it worked out just fine. Long yeah yeah absolutely so then you like you said like midget to junior is like a big transition so like what was that transition like and just trying to fit in and find your role within within the organization the league yeah um so one of the things with the oj at the time was uh was uh there was like 30 something teams and um you know it was a league where i think it's kind of different now right yeah. the bchl was the big was the big league but the ojhl was probably the second best canadian league at the time uh now you obviously have the alberta league's really good the bchl's supreme when it comes to developing talent at the tier two level uh but even like the cjhl and some of those other leagues have really stepped up the nodes all those um but going to aurora was was eye-opening too because we had we had eight 20 year olds at the time uh so we had six of them were committed to division one schools and you're talking like Lake Superior state, yeah. uh, you know, uh, St. Cloud, good schools, like top schools. And then we had some guys that played in the OHL who were 20 year olds who, you know, obviously, you know, when you get to that level and you play four years in the Ontario league, like you're a very capable player. Um, and unfortunately most of them were forwards. So I was stuck behind them. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of like a third, fourth line guy, just working hard and trying to try and do what I can in the league. And uh, the way it was then was uh, it was kind of a top heavy league. So we were very strong in Aurora. There was another team, uh, Kuchiching, who was affiliated with Barry, that was very strong. Uh, Orangeville was strong. Dale Howarchuk was the coach there at the time. Um, and then uh, Huntsville was another team that was really strong, and they were affiliated with Erie. Uh, and then there was or, or, uh, Oakville, sorry, Oakville. And then uh, Georgetown was was another big team with guys like Brandon Peary, who the Hawks yeah. had in the second round. And I mean, just some some phenomenal players. So uh, yeah, it was it was interesting because some nights you'd play teams and you you'd run them to the ground eight nine nothing, and the next night you're playing guys who are second round NHL picks. Uh, so it was a wide array of, of talent and, uh, and we were a very strong team. We got eliminated in the second round by, uh, by Kucha Ching. And I think they went, uh, to the semifinal of the league, but, um, yeah, it was a good experience and very eye-opening to see just, just, you know, the level of some of the guys, um, you know, there's, there's good players in every league. And even in tier two, when you have guys who've played in the OHL for four years or, or guys who are from smaller towns in Ontario, it, you know, for whatever reason, they don't want to leave home. There's some really talented players. 
Uh, and guys who wind up going CIS uh, or U Sports, as it's known now, but you know, there's there's a lot of really talented players. And when you grow up in that U.S. Chicago AAA bubble, you think, okay, there's Chicago, there's Detroit, and then there's you know New England and all that stuff. And yeah. you know, there's good Toronto teams, but you don't realize just how many talented guys there are. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of one of those moments where you're just like, wow. I'm pretty lucky to be here and I just hope I can get an NCAA thing like that'd be phenomenal. So (laughs) it wound up working out. Okay. But yeah, again, an eye opening experience and um, you know, it was an 18 year old kid and I know Canada's it's a foreign country. It's about as easy of a transition as you can get, but it is tough being, you know, 12 hours from home and you know, those types of things. And uh, yeah, it's it's not only a hockey transition, but a life transition. So uh, it was a good experience. And um yeah, I was fortunate I had good billets and good guys on the team, so that made it pretty easy. Yeah, absolutely. So then you find yourself going into college hockey where you play NCAA Division three for Lake Forest College for two years before going to Lawrence University for your final two years. So, like, what went into picking Lake Forest to be your school to start off your college career with? Yeah, so I played, like you said, one year junior. And uh, Lake Forest offered me something pretty early. I think it was January. And I kind of hem and hawed because, you know, being a Chicago kid, you're, you're like, ah, Lake Forest. Like, nobody really even knows anything about the program, right? And, I mean, you know you play there when you play the Falcons and you might play a Thanksgiving tournament there. But nobody really knows, like, the level of the, of the school and the level of the team and those things. So, uh I talked to the coach after one of our games in January and he, uh, he told me that they'd be more than, more than happy to have me. And, you know, they, they brought in a big class, 14, 15 guys. So uh, I was considering trying to do another year of junior. I had some, some conversations with some D one schools, but nothing concrete. So, um, I didn't necessarily love my year in Aurora, uh, from like a, a hockey perspective. So, it was like, well, do you ask for a trade? Do you come back to the States and try and do the NA? Like, what are you going to do? And I uh, decided school is the best route. And um, like I said, it's, you know, every every time you you make a jump in leagues, it's a transition. So yeah. talking about AAA to junior, and then you go junior to college where you're talking, you're a 19-year-old kid playing against 25-year-olds. Um, this is very, very eye-opening when you go to the first practice and you're used to being a bigger body and, and a 25 year old guy leans on you in the corner and you're like, Oh boy, this could be a long year, <laughs> but, but uh, it was good. And, you know, I was very lucky. Like one of the things that actually wound up playing into the decision was, uh, you know, my parents get to see me play every game and um, you know, Lake Forest is an excellent school. So kind of saw it as a chance to get a really good education, play high level hockey get to be around my family more. Um, so that was, that was the basis for that. And as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, we had, you know, I had Tony Fritz, my first year was a legend. He coached for 40 years at Lake Forest. He's a phenomenal human being. I had Seamus Gregory, my second year, who was the guy who recruited me. And then my third year wound up being Ryan McKelvey. Uh, but at the time we weren't sure who the coach was going to be. And it was one of those things like, I was pretty good in school. So I thought, do I graduate in three years? Do I go to another school and try and do something different academically? And uh, I decided to make the jump to go to Lawrence and uh, 
pursue opportunities there and uh, yeah, continue my hockey and uh, educational endeavors. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you played in 26 games your freshman year, 25 your sophomore year. So like, what were those two years like for you and gaining that experience that you needed from your the, the confidence from your coaches just as for yourself as well and just being able to go out there and play at the college level? Yeah, I mean, my first year was tough. Uh, I think most freshmen would, would say that their first year is hard. I, I only missed one game uh, that year, but, um, you know, you, you go and now you're you're playing third line. You don't play on the power play. You, you play a bit of penalty kill, but you're, my role at the time was just to work hard and, um, you know, kind of just be a sponge and watch some of the older guys and, and learn what it, what it takes to be successful. And my second year, I uh, got a chance to play uh, play at the top six and play in the power play and had a really productive season and uh, led the team in, in uh, goals and points and all that stuff. So um, it was it was one of those things like I needed that year to kind of be an apprentice to to learn the league, to learn how to be a good college player, to learn how to balance school and hockey and the fact that you know you want to have some some level of a social life too. You're a 21 year old yeah. kid, like, you know, that's, that's a very, uh, you know, that's, it's an interesting time in your life where you're trying to decide like, okay, well, what do I want to study? What do I want to do with my life? Like I want to hang out with my buddies. Like but at the same time, I want to be good at sports, but then, yeah. you know, I also want to do good at school. There's all these different things kind of battling for your time. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, was a was a good first year to kind of feel all those things out and then second year kind of took off and yeah it was a, was a successful college career yeah you gotta you gotta find that balance between everything especially in college and just be able to have some time with your friends of course but also do good in school be do good in hockey as well and just be able yeah. to have that have that like balance between between all of the all aspects of the college life yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things like I always knew I wanted to try professional hockey. So for me, it was uh, it was one of those things where where when I was at school, like yeah, I, I was one of those guys that was always a bit more serious. So I, I never found it that hard to like find the motivation to do extra things, to stay on the ice or yeah. to go to the gym extra or do any of those things. But you know, when when you're a young man or young woman and you're you're at school, you're kind of your own boss for the first time, you know, even in junior, you have built a family, right? So yeah. they're, they're telling you like, they have that structure. And then when you go to college and you're on your own, you know, so it's kind of like, well, if I want to sit in my room and I just want to play video games all day, like nobody's going to tell me what to do. Like if I want to eat pizza every day. No one's going to tell me what to do. So it's kind of like that finding yourself moment. And uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty much my first year and yeah, moving forward from there. Yeah, so then you go, you transfer then to Lawrence University and play your final two years at Lawrence. So what, what were those two years like and the things you learned to help gain your gain that exposure from pro, team, from pro teams? Yeah, I think um, one of the things, and I was lucky in, in my last three years especially, was, you know, when you go to the pro level and you're coming from D3, everybody wants to see that you have points. Uh so I was able to score a good amount of goals for college hockey in my last three years and, you know, uh, play a lot and got some good film together. And I think one of the things for me was developing as a 200-foot player. Um, so I'm a power forward, but 
you know, when you're 19 years old and you're 200 pounds and six, two, like still have some, some weight to add to your frame. And I think when I was, you know, a junior and senior, I grew into my body more and, um, kind of knew what I had to do a bit more and was smarter and kind of adapted to the college style and knew what I had to do to be successful. And, uh, you know, my senior year, it was one of those things where I wanted to have a strong season and, and, uh, you know, obviously you want the team to be successful. Um, it's very tough when you're at a school like Lawrence or at the time Lake Forest and the Lake Forest is a very, very competitive team. Now they've been in the top 15, but, um, when you're playing against teams like St. Norbert and Adrian college and Marion and MSOE are all in the top 15. And, you know, that was one of the things I wanted was to play a lot against those top end teams. Cause those are the guys you're auditioning for jobs against, yeah. uh, especially in the, in the coast and the SP, those type of leagues. So um, for me, it was good. Uh, I got to play a ton. I got to play in almost every situation. And uh, I think the only way you get better is to play and, and to gain experience, you have to be put in situations where you're uncomfortable, whether that's being on a power play, being on a penalty kill, six on five, five on six, five on three, whatever it is. The more situations you play in, it's only going to help you grow. And that was kind of the nature of my uh, my last uh, two or three years there. Yeah, absolutely. Just gain that experience from, from all those years and just playing those games, putting up the points and producing and just – working working your way up from from the bottom where you were a third third fourth liner and then working your way up to the top six penalty kill power play like it's all about that development and just being able to rise to the top yeah and i think college is an interesting thing because you know it's always hard to tell what a kid's going to be like in three four years and especially at the d3 level like okay division one you have those kids who leave after a year or two and you know that that's fantastic we've signed the nhl the american league um, but D3, like you're dealing with guys who, you know, maybe could be in the lineup at division one school, but maybe don't want to sit half the games. And then you're dealing with some other guys who, you know, didn't want to play junior and you're dealing with other guys who went to prep school or, you know, everybody's, it's more of a, of a wide range and different types of individuals. I mean, everybody wants to go D1 for sure. Uh, yeah. but the reality is when you're in a league like the North American league and, you know, there's eight 20 year olds, like maybe you don't get the opportunity. So D3 is your best option. Uh, so you deal with some guys who kind of slip through the cracks and you deal with some guys who, you know, want to play at a high level, but are okay going to a great school and being in and out to play NCAA hockey. So, um, you know, I think uh, I was fortunate to, like I said, to be given the opportunities I was and, uh, you know, to, to develop because it uh, could have gone very differently for me. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, but you you learn from all those experiences. And uh, so I have a few more questions for you before we wrap yep. things up here. So uh, what's uh, your biggest tip for for younger players looking to get to that next level? I think you always have to be honest with yourself. So if I'm a player and I'm playing, I don't know, if it's tier three and I want to make it to the North American League, you know, what type of player am I, right? If I'm a guy who is really good at killing penalties, blocking shots and face-offs, you know, that's my, my ticket, right? Like I want to be the best at that. You know, if you're a guy who scores goals, like learn to score goals at a high level, you know, like play to your strengths. You know, if you're a six foot four uh, guy and you want to toe drag around people, like not every six foot four guy is made to do that. 
So be, be, be honest with yourself, right? Like what are the things that make you, you, uh, what are the things that make you an asset to a team and how do you develop those things? So obviously I think work on your skating, you know, watch hockey so you can become smarter because if you can't skate, you can't think the game, even if you're a goalie, it's very difficult. Right. Yeah. Um, but after that, it's kind of like, what's my identity and what are the skills that I can develop in order to maximize my potential and be the best version of myself. That's, that's something I think a lot of younger players struggle with, but the sooner you realize that and the sooner you can kind of hone in on what you need to do to get to where you want to go, I think it's better for you. Yeah, that's a, that's a great tip. I love that. Couldn't have said it any better. Like it's all, it's all true too. Cause if you just got to work your way up and just, be able to just realize and be honest with yourself about like where you're, where you're at, how you're playing, like play to those strengths. And like, especially like when you have those weaknesses, like work those as well and just like work them to be, be your strengths. Absolutely. Yeah. So then my final question for you is like, what's your, what's your favorite pump up song? Like you're trying to get a a lift in, like you're putting something on for the boys in the locker room. Like what, what are you listening to? (laughs) Uh, Wow. I mean, Let's see here. I mean, I like the EDM stuff. I'm not like, I'm not a guy who like would hone in on one thing necessarily, but uh, yeah, never go wrong with EDM. Uh, over here, I kind of, the boys find it funny when I put French music on because my, like I said, my French is very limited. But I think when, you know, as an older guy, like I try and keep the mood light. So I'll put on some stuff like that. And the guys always think that's funny when an English guy's listening to French music, especially when he can't understand a word that they're saying. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'll listen to pretty much anything. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's probably the most generic answer ever, but, uh, but I'm one of those guys, like it doesn't necessarily matter what song is on. Uh, I think I, I would be pretty able to like, or maybe able to flip the switch a little bit and kind of know like, okay, time to work and you know you have to enjoy it too right so yeah i think i think one of the things that i'm particularly uh particularly good at is like knowing how to toe the line between work and fun and you know kind of keeping the mood light but at the same time focusing on what you need to do so that's my my roundabout answer for for top song could be pretty much anything man whatever the mood's calling for yeah, absolutely. That's that's still a great a great genre to pick from because you can't go wrong with that and just yeah. it, whatever brings the mood for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, Phil, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time and want to wish you the best of luck going forward with this season and for the rest of your career. And I look forward to following your career the rest of the way. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate the time and all the best to you as well. Thank you.